0: Well, welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Main. Welcome back. Uh, I, you recently referred to yourself again as
1: the second-rate first mate, John.
0: Yeah, because it's true. So does that make you the Gilligan to my skipper?
1: <laughs> I'd like to think of myself as the professor. Because <laughs> like he to... had a thing going with Marianne, I think. I, I
0: was just going to say, I like to think of Marianne. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But let's pretend we are about to take a three-hour tour. Will okay. You go on a little journey with me? Um Don't mind the charts. It says we're going to go through something called the Bermuda Triangle. But what's the worst that could happen? Well, I don't know. Uh Is is this worse or is this better? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I think the front end
1: of this will be good. It's kind of like one of those um, Doctor Who episodes or something, you know, where he flings all the dials and cranks the thing and all this stuff and opens the door and says, we're in... 14th century England, and it's like 14th century, but he's actually in Russia or something. Or, you know, they get the time right, but the city wrong, or the city right, but the time wrong. Whatever it is. Seems like we're in the right time zone. And it seems like we're on the right coast, but we're not in the right city. Well, yeah, and we're even in the right era. Yeah. But we are not in L.A.
0: anymore. No, this looks a lot like San Francisco to me. So... What are we doing here? Uh, how did we get here? And where are we going from here, Second Rate First mate.
1: Well, we wanted to do an idea based on a perfect album side. And there's, we've done albums from top to bottom. And there's probably something, such thing as perfect albums. But we decided to look at a, a case where you have what might be considered a perfect album side. And so for this one, we've got um, probably not Journey's best album. Hmm. But, but that wasn't the question. But that wasn't the question. This might not even be their best album side, but we took this one. This is going to be the Frontiers album, 1983, mm-hmm. and side one would be considered the, quote, perfect side. What's interesting that why why that one, as opposed to, say, Infinity or Evolution or, or even um, Escape, that maybe you could say side one is perfect, is that there's a story about why this album... Side one is great, and side two is kind of wah-wah for me. <laughs> but there's a story behind that, so that's the reason why I wanted to do this one. Also, you posed this question on
0: Facebook a long time ago, and it, it, the answers were more difficult to come by than originally thought, because you asked, what is an example of a perfect album side? And you got a lot of perfect album responses. Someone would say, Steely Dan Asia, for example. What They meant the whole album, and you're looking for only a side. And yes. I think... That to me that precludes the perfect album. Like it's got to be for the side to stand out.
1: Maybe this side two has to be maybe substandard. And I think that's the case here. But what's odd about it being substandard is that when they were putting the album together and doing the actual sequencing of songs, they cut two songs and replaced them with two other songs. Now the two other songs that they put in were more harder sort of progressive rock tunes. And the ones they took out would have been the more pop side of Journey. And what they took out were two songs that eventually became hits. And that would be Ask the Lonely. When you're feeling you just ask the lonely. you lost in deep despair, you just ask the
0: lonely.
1: Which was uh, used in the movie Two of a Kind. Yep. And Only the young. which was also a top 10 hit, and that was Envision Quest. So now, if you were to put those two back in, you would have had potentially seven singles, seven hits from this record. Yeah. And we might be having a different conversation. It might be more like Boston. Boston. Yeah. (laughs) So this would have uh, what might be considered the classic lineup of Journey. There's some argument that people like the... um, the greg raleigh years so it's kind of like yes where you debate which is considered the classic lineup right so this is steve perry neil sean ross valerie on bass steve smith on drums now Mm -hmm. and jonathan kane who of course he joined on the previous album which was escape um same production team as escape also which would be mike stone and kevin elson doing the studio work bob ludwig doing the mastering and bob ludwig just recently retired did you hear that i did not hear that so on side one, they were all released as singles. Uh, Chain Reaction at least had a MTV video, whether it was technically a single or not. It got a lot of rock radio airplay. Uh, so the album reached number two, uh, would have four top 40 singles, which we're going to cover all four of those, and the album was six times platinum. Dang. Yeah.
0: Would you say this was also per- perhaps the beginning of the end, because wasn't this is the last album before Perry went to do his solo album or was there another one after this?
1: I think uh, I'd have to look, I'd have to look at the timeline. I think they did raised on radio before he did the solo album, but raised on radio was a much reduced lineup. You no longer had Ross Valerie on bass and you only had a token amount of Steve Smith on drums. So it was much more of a, less of a band at that point. So I, I actually had a note that to some, it does show an inkling of the beginning of the decline at, in some ways, there are certain techniques that they were working that we saw sort of improving in the band that sort of the more metamorphosis was complete at this point. I mm-hmm. would say that I will address this Neil Sean's playing style. Mm. It had evolved from being early on the more prog roots, bringing over what he was doing from Santana in those early albums into much more of a blues guy on infinity and evolution but now he's becoming what we might know as the definitive sort of anthem lyrical lead guitarist so that metamorphosis is complete steve perry's voice gradually gets more and more raspy Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're at a point where his voice is probably now matured to its full rasp and their approach to backup vocals early on it was the more Queen style when they had um, Roy Thomas Baker producing them. They kind of used some of the same techniques that he was using for Queen. And it was more of the group singing. Now it's really mostly Perry doing, it sounds to me like he is taking over doing all or most of the backups at this point. And going forward, that would be the case. So those are the things that are trending, but they're getting further and further away from what might be their blues rock side. So
0: Or, or even their heyday, right? Would their heyday precede this in your mind?
1: Well, probably. Don't Stop Believing, Open Arms. You know, the Escape album is probably their peak, mm-hmm. at least commercially. I don't know if that's my favorite. But well, it...
0: I was asking you more artistically because I remember yeah, my recollection. So this is 83. I'm 13. So the MTV is becoming a thing. They have this video for separate ways, which we'll get into. I remember jamming out as a 13-year-old to this new Journey sound. I thought that sounded different than what you had been playing on the record mm-hmm. player previously. I distinctly remember you coming into the family room and you're like, oh, this new Journey's garbage. <laughs> I don't like this stuff. And you didn't like... The, they're going towards the power ballads. you know. There's two on this side alone. Yep. Sending my love and faithfully. And you are becoming disenchanted. Now, I'm sure that maybe evolved in hindsight over the years, correct?
1: Definitely. I still think my sweet spot for them is Infinity and Evolution. I can listen to those two albums over and over and over again. And I, I can see where they achieved their most polished, most refined sound on Escape. Yeah, this one still sounds at times like they're trying too hard to incorporate... A rockier sound it's a roomier sound around the drums they're trying to do something that i don't think was always a perfect fit for them though you know the, the success is great it's kind of funny that uh i have the rolling stone review you know how <laughs> i like to pull that right yeah all right Shit sandwich yes well the village voice which is a very pompous mag also gave it a d plus they felt the need to put the plus on there <laughs> come on now. all right uh rolling stone though gave it only two stars and it And you can kind of That's about a D plus. I know. You can kind of read the grease coming through these words. Frontiers takes care to maintain an equally high level of musicianship, but those interested in that aspect of the band's music will learn little beyond how smart guys play heavy metal. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the band's musical ingenuity and undeniable chops, the aesthetic at work here never goes any farther afield than basic stomp and crunch. There are some interesting touches, such as the clever modal harmony in Chain Reaction and the zippy power guitar figure behind Edge of the Blade. On the whole, though, Foreigner did a better job of stretching the limits of heavy rock formalism with head games and with fewer debts to other acts. Wow. Okay. Okay. First of all, so, I, I think that uh, history maybe has shown that Journey actually did outperform Foreigner, but that's, I guess, debatable. The most energetic workout here, here, talk, is strongly reminiscent of Van Halen's Everybody Wants Some. They still haven't mentioned any of the songs that would eventually be <laughs> hits. Interesting where their focus is. And then finally, while the ba- the album's best ballad faithfully sounds more like a Bob Seger tune than one belonging to Journey. Hmm. Two interesting... Um, well,
0: I have two comments. Yes. One is, um, I think I would have said almost the exact opposite of everything that you just read. (laughs) Seriously. Um, And then the other one was uh, something that I kind of... When you mentioned the sound and the big drums and all this stuff, I was thinking at the time Van Halen was kind of coming into their prime. They were sort of leading the pack in terms of not quite metal, but not
1: quite pop. Maybe that was something, you know, being a product of their time. One thing, the comparison... When you listen to Van Halen, you can hear Alex Van Halen is hitting the drums hard. Oh, yeah. In Journey, you could tell that Steve Smith is a jazz drummer playing in a rock band. Yeah. He's not hitting very hard, and they're trying hard to make it sound like he is. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but it did age well in terms of uh, people's feelings about the record, because... Uh, Rock Hard Magazine's book of the 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time. Interesting that they would even have this on the list. It it ranked at number 363. So it made the top 500 of a rock and metal list. So, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh,
0: do the exact opposite, and that's my review. Because I would have focused on... The songs, you know, in hindsight, the songs we all know for one, and I would have said that uh, the stuff that he liked is the stuff that I'm going to mention here. Yeah, I'm not crazy about.
1: Here we are focusing on side one, and he barely gave a nod to side one with an aside to faithfully. Otherwise, he ignored side one. And our chain reaction got to mention. All right, well, yeah, and chain reaction put a pin in that too because we're going to come back to that. All right, song by song, do we want to start to looking down the list here and giving your thoughts? Uh, yes. Can I
0: just mention? Uh, I think is apropos of now is that I love the way they open the record.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that is this the first song that you would say that the that is identifiable by a synth sound from Journey. with well, this, this would probably be the first one that where the synth is the big recognizable feature, right? Yep. And that sound, interesting. We we talked so much about Toto brass back and on how it became one of those things that's in every keyboard you buy. Now, well, this one, this sound too has shown up ever since then in every sound set. It's either called like, you know, separate synth or, (laughs) you know, journey ways or something like that. It's always got, but this has become an iconic sound. You know, yes. It was probably a stock patch. You probably, you know, was, you know, A1 on the you know, push button, A1, and this was it. But, well, you know, when you're the first to get the gear. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes those guys, the studios with the big money or the big bands, could get the gear, get prototypes ahead of time, and uh, they get to go out there and launch, you know, the stock brass sound and call it total brass (laughs) yes well this is what reminded me that opening synth
0: line i think it predates uh van halen's jump but it's a similar similar formula where you're opening with a synth lead and you're going into a rocker yeah and that's what this kind of feels like to me so i i I felt at the time that journey when i heard this first single because i think it was the first single I think. Do you know if it was offhand? I probably was. I don't recall, but that's my recollection. I yeah. sensed Journey going into a different direction. As a thirteen-year-old,
1: don't know nothing, and so yeah, we kind of have on this side also a. If we want to talk subgenres of genres, each song here kind of carves out a different space in the rock area. So this one, to me, it epitomizes arena rock, mm-hmm. right? You know, and there were bands that followed it. Whether we're talking like Night Ranger or Survivor or whatever, this this was the sound of arena rock.
0: love that the song's having a resurgence with stranger things by the way oh yeah their treatment of it was cool if you watch the scene in which the song is depicted it's it sets a tone yeah yeah, yeah.
1: uh jumping ahead to um one of the things that i mentioned earlier that neil sean has now taken on a different place in the band or stylistically he's He's doing something different. It really started on the Escape album, but it really comes to perfection on this album, as I alluded to, and that is these huge, legato, recognizable, very hooky, strong leads. When it becomes time for the guitar solo, instead of him wailing a solo, he is now making the conscious effort of writing a melody. It's a new melody. It's a strong hook, and here's the first one. We're going to listen to this one at 314. 314. And I had the pleasure of going to one journey concert. And it's so remarkable. It's the only time I've ever been to a show where people there it was probably ten, twelve thousand people there, you know. Everybody sings the guitar leads. So it gets to that point and you got twelve thousand people Boo-doo, <laughs> the whole crowd. It's unbelievable. It's so different. <laughs>
0: yep. We, and you don't get a lot of that in Yacht Rock. Hey, this is a Yacht Rock podcast. Might as well talk about that for a second. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're going to either, you will or somebody will think of exceptions, and there are probably many. But usually it's the more of a jazz convention where it's like, all right, it's time for you to take a lead solo, improv as you like, yeah. and you just show off some of your chops. Sure, be melodic, and is great at that too. Yeah. But for the most part, you don't
1: see a lot of these type of solos in the Yacht Rock genre. No, you really don't. And... There's nothing that makes a song successful better than having good hooks in it. And if you can add a second hook, big hook, yeah. that everybody knows to a song, you're really you really got it going on. Now I, I can understand the impulse to want a whale, but it's interesting that he's now decided that this is going to be a new approach. Well, he does just that though. He after doing a couple He does. Do, yeah. Then he gets to get his licks in. Yep, yep. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention on this one is we said that Steve Smith is a jazz drummer, and they they actually use this convention again on some of the later albums, so it kind of is a little disappointing. But this is the first time they do it with these big chords that ring out, and Steve Smith gets to do his fills licks oh, in yeah. between. So we're going to hit a little bit of that and give Gad or give Steve Smith his sort of akin to Gad's Asia. <laughs> That's a good thing to eardrum too. It is. Yes. (laughs) See if you can hit them all. It's weird in the video though, because he holds the stick like a jazz guy, the snare stick. You Mm -hmm. know, so when he's going around these times with the snare stick, as opposed to holding it in both hands the same way, he's got that cross, like almost like a pencil holding. I don't know if if. people that aren't drummers know what i'm talking about holding it like a jazz guy but it <laughs> looks so weird in the video yeah. the videos by the way from this album are awful yes let's get that out there. i think videos were just
0: about universally awful back then yeah. yeah it sounds like animals playing the drums but it looks like
1: gene is back there <laughs> <laughs> so this doesn't match all right on to now a mid-tempo up-tempo issue it's really a ballad at heart but it's yeah. kind of mid-tempo send her my love Well, this is another song that we'll get to where it's loaded with internal hooks. But the thing that caught my attention in my ears, and maybe you can uh, tell me what you think, it sounds like the bass is doing, like, harmonics in there.
0: Yeah, and this is something I've never heard back in the day. If you Think about the Fidelity. I was listening to this back in the day. I was probably out of a TV. Yeah. Or a car radio, which was right, horrible right. back then. If
1: it was MTV, you were probably sitting in front of a TV. You're, yeah, yeah.
0: But if you listen to this in phones... To me, it's
1: unmistakable
0: that the sound, the harmonics that you're hearing are not coming from a guitar. They're coming from the same place as the bass. So if you want to know what you're going to listen for, here's what a harmonic sounds like played on the bass. And that's what you're listening for when we play this intro.
1: And it continues under the verse too. It becomes a figure that is part of the establishment of the whole underbelly of the verses. Very clever. Never knew that was there. No, Hidden I never in plain knew that sight. was there either until we studied. Yep. Also in the verse, there's that what becomes one of those internal hooks. That instead of just voicing out chords, blocking out chords on piano, or blocking out raking chords on your guitar or strumming, they've got this doo 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 do do. Do, 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 do line that establishes the harmony, but really you're not hearing them voice chords. So let's hear that one more time and notice how that is what's carrying the whole verse.
0: setting a mood like a motif
1: that you wouldn't get by just strumming that chord out if that even is a chord yeah and that becomes a hook in and of itself even as small a part as it really is you know and he does sean does so much with that one main guitar part go back and listen to the song in headphones and all that the 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 one guitar part that he's laying down does that part it rakes out chords in other places it adds little fills it's like one part that is doing the work of three Really? Mm. If it weren't for
0: the fact that we got here through the Bermuda Triangle, I'd say we should be uh, trapped in isolation on this tune. Mm, boy, I wish we could. That would be cool. Maybe your friend Russell Remix could figure it yeah. out.
1: Um, and then again, another one of those singable melodic guitar lines that everybody knows that you know, it's um, it starts kind of understated, but it almost sounds like, let's let's play this at 239, get that verse lick in your head what it does the doo 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 do do and tell me if this melody now he's playing on the lead doesn't sound like he took that melody and flipped it upside down same notes but played in the opposite direction <laughs> So after establishing this line as a guitar hook, he goes to this one and gives us yet another hook.
0: And yeah, I bet at the live show everybody's singing all of them. All of them. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah.
1: All right, on to your favorite chain reaction. <laughs>
0: uh, you got <want> my notes? <laughs> okay. Meh. Meh? But for the Sean play out at the end. All I right. Have well, no other I, notes. I,
1: I have this didn't, uh, as muscle rock. That was sort of where this one fits. <laughs> this is like the last time that somebody else gets to sing any lead vocal for the band other than perry um sean kind of trades with him on the verse and Mm. it's it's not that good Mm. i'm sorry but uh let's uh (laughs) the video is kind of in your face too so let's go to the sean play out and uh, be done with it
0: almost worth waiting for yeah um i don't remember that song at all though being released but i guess it did chart on aor
1: radio maybe i think it got heavy play after the success of um separate ways but i don't think people ever really grabbed onto it i remember seeing the video on mtv it was so in your face it was like that fisheye lens and they're leaning into it and it's just like so like oh come on dude back up <laughs> personal
0: space well then we move on to perhaps the appropriately titled after the fall (laughs) going back to what you said earlier this is maybe the beginning of the end we've got a new player on bass and it's more than just i for me dog (laughs) it's randy jackson who you might know from american idol
1: yeah he actually plays on the next album with them a little
0: bit he was quite the session guy um almost post yacht Era, he was on
1: a lot of the um, Richard Marks stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this song was released as a single, but it falls into that category, I think, of one of those songs that most people have forgotten about until you play it for them. Even if you tell them the title After the Fall, they'd be like, I don't know if I quite remember that. When you play it for them, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly my
0: take on this. Okay. I had forgotten that the song even existed, but I had also forgotten once I figured out what it was how much I liked it. It's a really good tune. For me, I love this tune
1: and this has another one of those great sean melodic guitar solos and then he gets to riff out over a kind of an interesting chord change for the fade let's check it
0: Before we get to the change, make sure you pay attention to the Randy Jackson bass solo that's going to get you there. It's killer.
1: Yeah, sets up the, the, I don't know if it's chord change, key change, whatever. They go to a new mode there. (laughs) And that, that's a cool setup. <laughs> that's the sound you're going to get out of the next album, by the way.
0: There's more of that ambitious bass playing that, like Randy Jackson, will take more chances like that. Not that yeah. the other guy's not good. Like, I like him, especially when love his nasal tone sometimes. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a different
1: style. That even song plays. structure wise, either, not mix wise, this one wouldn't fit on Raised on Radio. But song structure, writing yeah. style, this could have fit on Raised on Radio. Agreed. Um but that is a uh, it's not my buried treasure for
0: today but I think that would qualify as a buried treasure
1: indeed so now we move on last song on the side course, hold on, hold, big on ballet, hold on right?
0: hold on hold on I'm getting out my Zippo lighter hold okay on. all right uh, first I'm going to light a smoke
1: Jonathan Kane wrote this one by himself and would this be their most iconic song I know that Don't Stop Believing." Is much bigger in terms of spins, mm-hmm. but man, when I hear faithfully, I I think man, that right there is the pinnacle of Journey popularity. I what do you? Yeah, you, I'd, certainly me, in terms of power
0: ballad, it is. It's I gotta go back and listen to them both back to back. But open arms also kind of qualifies. Yeah, as that true. So maybe if they're tied, but, but I think this is part of the function of when. A lot of rock music, Journey in particular as well. I shouldn't say particular as well. They got into this formula of just writing the power ballad to like get sales. It seemed like, yeah. and then that's when the respect war. I shouldn't say
1: respect because I have so much respect, but it's like, is that all they're going to do now? Ballads and stuff, and and how much of that is the record label choosing I think it to is release the that label. song or saying, "Hey, we need a ballad." You know, it, yep. we we mentioned this a while back is the 80s went on everybody had to have a ball didn't matter if you were a hair metal band yeah and so it sounds like I'm taking it out on journey
0: I just feel like this is the beginning of a trend that is about to become so nauseating that and maybe this
1: is why maybe yeah. this song yeah or that open arms as you mentioned is why Could because be. they said here they put a flag in the ground and said here's something even yeah and then even all the metal acts you know they have a record with eight rockers on it and three ballads
0: all you ever heard on the radio were the three ballads yeah um and we're getting now to why uh, you have this to blame for grunge. Because somebody said, I am so sick of this yeah. sugar in this saccharin." Let's rock. Anyways.
1: Yeah, even this concept of uh, songwriting from the, the, uh, the artist writing about being on the road and missing his woman back home got to be <laughs> so stereotyped and cliche.
0: But let's not lose sight of the fact that this was, was still a great song.
1: Always. In a vacuum. Ignore everything we just said. I love the tune. And definitive lead guitar stylings from Sean on this and the big soaring melodic tone, the melodies. I mean... does make you wonder we talked about this once before it does make you wonder if had he wanted to could sean have gotten more studio calls or any maybe he Mm. did and he just turned them all down and wanted to be the band guy i don't know did he want him i don't don't even know if he could read because i know that when he plays i've i used to follow him on uh facebook and he would kind of do a jam of the day and he'd put a bed track down and jam over it and then answer people's questions and I remember somebody asking him something about how how do you handle, you know, descending chromatic minor seven chords, you know, something very theory heavy like that. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't think theory, I just play on feel. It makes me wonder to what degree he thinks theoretically in which it's just his ear, you know? Mm-hmm. Miles Davis always said there's no such thing as a wrong note. No, It's only wrong if the next one's wrong, yeah, too, or exactly. something like that. You yeah, know? it's
0: not the note you played, it's the play, note yeah. you play after that yeah. makes it
1: wrong. Bill right. Champlett said that in this very podcast. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of hard, I've noticed, to get players to do what he does. It hmm. sounds so easy when he plays these long, soaring melodies. But it is not as easy as it sounds. Either that or players just don't want to do it. You know, I've asked for it from players and if they're listening, they... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to use any names. <laughs> but there's there's always this desire to do more than to play you know, three notes over and over again. Three, you know, quarter notes. You're not doing... <laughs> You're yeah. doing... Doo-doo do 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 Right. You know, there's a discipline to that, but there's also playing it with tone and feel that makes it magic. Yeah, and he was the master. Just a quick
0: uh, fun fact. So what's interesting is you say some of the players may be like, either eschew it or don't want to do it or don't feel like they're good at it or they want to, who knows, show up. When we recorded the August Red Tune Never Ending Story, Mm -hmm. our guitar player, Mr. Chili Davis, came back with a Neil Sean Ask Lines. I think you even asked for that. Yeah, And I I came back and I heard it. I'm like, it's a beautiful melody, but it doesn't fit Yacht Rock. And you said, Go listen to Neil Sean. Yeah, he also doesn't fit Yacht Rock either though. Exactly. But it, it I had to take the Neil I had to take the Yacht Rock blinders off and say, What services the song? Yes. And let's hear a little of it and we can hear I think it services the song. And that's a melody that he comes back to during the playoff. So it's, uh, it, it is a, a, a difficult art for a lot of guitar players, but Sean was the master, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's just understanding that that's what it's called for. So, Well, that is the perfect side, as we see it. It is, other than Chain Reaction. I suppose the, the caveat being is that Chain Reaction did get airplay, did receive MTV airplay, so that's why it's included. It's so that all five songs had presence on radio or... Uh, you know singles charts or m t v so
0: is there anything you want to say about the flip side at all we 're not going to cover it, but
1: I, there's not a whole lot there's for me moments to love on. there, but in general it 's not for me and you tell you if they'd put those other two songs on, there might be a different story, but yeah it's clear that they were trying to frame themselves as something else, maybe salvage some of their earlier cred or something by taking those two pop songs off and putting on what 's it uh, back talk and Edge of the blade. I forget what the two were that were. Was it Trouble Child? I don't know. Here I have the note.
0: <clears throat> yeah, tr- back yeah, talk. Like Trouble Child. Child. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I'll just real quick notes. Sh- shreds on Edge of the Blade. Pun intended. I said Trouble Child does have its moments. Back talk is not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frontiers. I'm not sure where it ever if it ever gets where it needs to go. And then uh Rubicon is the classic bathroom break tune at a live show. It's like a heavy-handed drum groove. You're like, all right, this is gonna go off for a while. <laughs>
1: Are you sure you want all this out there in the ether?
0: Uh, Sure, because I would love to hear that uh, members of Journey listen to this podcast. I don't think I'm going to like learning how I found that out. But um, yeah, so let's talk about how brilliant the side one is. Yes. Okay, well, that's really good. So the perfect rock side. uh, Give us your comments. Give us your suggestions. Now that you know the format, it's a perfect rock or not rock, just album side. Any genre,
1: especially yacht rock, or if you want to go off the map feel free to do so and if you're a uh, a patron you might get your album side actually talked about and you could join us you could actually join us if you are a patron of the show how do they do that Tom? on the air you mean? yeah well you go to the show notes and you go all the way to the bottom and you look for the link that says
0: anchors away support (laughs) the podcast That will take you to our Spotify for Podcasters sort of homepage. And then just look for the button that says support the podcast. Click it. And as I like to say, the rest is between you, your bank, your maker, and Spotify. All right. Well, with that, uh, I think we could go into a lightning round. Ready. Ooh. Not as ready as I thought. No. Jeez. That's what happens in... uh, the Bay Area the storms. Yeah, are it's very, like very that.
1: lightning heavy. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, when the lightning goes down in the city. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's going first here? You are now. You you just earned it with that. Line. Okay. Uh, I'd like to uh, pick at an old scab, if I could. Ugh. We uh, not too long ago, as a matter of fact, talked about the release of the uh, the extended version or the what is it, the bonus version of the Street Talk album mm-hmm. remember that oh yeah and i said uh you know you and i have always had our quibbles about whether or not uh a certain song should be certified off that album yeah well we have a disagreement for yes. sure that's what a
1: quibble is okay
0: yeah so what i said some of the uh additional material does find its way to the yacht And I am going to submit for you, you only need to play the beginning of this before you hear some yacht, I think. And that is, if only for a moment, girl... (laughs) Is that a DX7, you think? Indeed. Playing that? It uh definitely is. Something uh, 5 over 1, back yeah, and forth. some of that. You've got a little uh, sax solo. Uh, nice little sax solo, actually, at uh, 215, which we won't get into. But do you know who Joel Peskin is? No. Okay. He's the sax. But on bass, you've got Bob Glob. J- drums, you have John Robinson. Guitar, you've got Michael Landau. Percussion, Paulino da Costa, Piano, Randy Goodrum. Written by Randy Goodrum pretty yachty and then fun fact on that it was originally on the we are the world album i've kind of forgotten that that was a full album
1: yeah and it was on that that's where it as, first as appeared. An aside there was a great live version of huey lewis doing trouble in paradise on that oh yeah oh, i love that yep. yeah anyway. anyway
0: that's that's kind of yachty so i say all right
1: so you found that at sea Is that i did correct? find
0: that at sea okay and journey was found at sea if you ask me Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, what have you found to see?
1: Well, Shaka Khan. I don't remember where this was posted. Uh, Got to be one of the yacht rock groups. I don't. I don't know. It was the question was sort of well, if through the fire is certified at eighty one point five, what might this song score? And so, talking about from nineteen eighty four, the Feel for You album, Shaka Khan. This was written by Burt Bacharach. Bruce Roberts of Cool Fool fame, Mm -hmm. and Carol Bayer-Sager. We got Nathan East on bass, J.R. Robinson again here on drums, Dan Huff, and Robbie Buchanan, who also produced it. It's probably just a little bit too much 1984 sonically, but it's got some groove to it. Let's check out Stronger Than Before.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, that's uh it's almost like um what would be then modern yacht. So like where yacht was sort of going with some more synthier produced sounds, but hmm Like that tune. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
1: Yeah, it's actually even a little more up tempo than Through the Fire. So if anything I could see where that might at least get above fifty. Yeah. Do you know? Have you checked? It has not been okay. rated at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Buried Treasure. Mm -hmm. This was you. I talk about Buried. I found this. This song has been sitting in my, or one of the songs from this album has been sitting in my list for weeks. And I keep ignoring it, uh, mostly because I'd never heard of this band. And turns out no one else has either. They have Mm -hmm. less than 100 listeners monthly on Spotify. This is an album from 1983. It's even got Trojan Seahorse title. The title of the album is Face to the Sea by the band called West Point. And they're out of Norway. I don't. I can't find anything about them. I even looked on Blue Desert, you know, the glossary there, or the almost the bible of West Coast music. No listing whatsoever. But every song on here is has Yachty character. It's built. It sounds like nineteen eighty three. You've got Rhodes on every song. You've got uh, Toto brass on it. But to me, it <laughs> sounds more like a Prophet Five. But uh, palm Mute guitars great bass work i mean it it's all right there so i guess i'm going to encourage everybody go check out this album i'd love to see us get over 200 listeners to them (laughs) monthly at least but for now we're going to feature the uh bass solo i know how much you like bass solos, but this is a nice melodic bass solo at a minute 50 of a song called fire
0: What's interesting about that bass solo, it's a fretless bass solo, yes. for one,
1: but it's playing over the root bass part is still in there. Yeah, so it's an overdub. Yes. And it you don't hear that kind of melodic bass solos ever. No. Much less in a you know mid-tempo yachty tune like this. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Unfortunately, I feel like bass solos are, are like farts in church. They just disrupt the whole mood and you're like i don't feel like that one does that one doesn't no No. but in part i think because that's anchored by the original fretted bass so you kind of feel like yeah the whole bottom's not dropping out that's what happens to bass solos. that's true what happened to the groove
1: yeah (laughs) that that one really sings though it's not nicely affected as well well done in the the production sure 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 all right my turn for barry Trader. you bet okay well This song
0: was indeed a buried treasure By Journey For some reason it made the cutting room floor Of the album we just talked about Mm -hmm. You already mentioned it It eventually ended up on the Vision Quest soundtrack This tune is a banger And this would have been another release hit So here you go Buried treasure Only the young
1: How do you cut that one, oh, man? That's—I bet you it's in every um, concert set list, though. There, yeah. There's no way that they don't play that one. Yeah, most how, nights at I least. I should say,
0: how do you bury that treasure?
1: Yeah, indeed. All right, uh, which all right, brings, off the map.
0: All right, off the map. I'm going back to Street Talk. Well, good. All right. <laughs> there is uh, the tune. This was on the original Street Talk, and that is a song called "She's Mine." Mm. So I'm granted this is off the map. So I'm not, cont- you know. Making the the, uh, yeah. the presumption
1: that it should even be four close seasons to in, we get it by now.
0: Okay. Yes, okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it's it peaked at twenty one. This tune, Ooh. but it, uh, so I said, she's mine. I want you to pay particular attention to the sexy saxophone at one fifty, played by Steve Douglas from the Wrecking Crew. Into a Ripping Lead by Mr. Michael Landau. And then you'll have to come back and listen to the rest because there's some slap bass by Bob Glob.
1: All in one little thing, (laughs) but here we go. Let's get into what we can get into. That that album is so good because it feels like they put a band together to make the album. It wasn't... And it really kind of was. Yeah. It was the same guys on all the tunes. And it was like they put this band together to sort of give you the feeling of a band album a la A Journey as opposed to a solo album with different people on different songs, with the exception of Foolish Heart, which is why that one kind of stands out on this Mm. album to me, too.
0: It is kind of a Yachty approach to putting together an album, though. Sort of. But, um... Didn't you say that this was originally intended to be another Journey album, and then it went in that direction? I don't know that to
1: be fact. I think people have maybe presumed that, okay. or some people have said that. I don't. I, I can't verify that, but uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you have for Off the Map? I'm going back to Shaka Khan album again, because going through that album, I came across... This only can be an Off the Map because it is so far off the map. Gary Wright is a a comfy star from a la Dreamweaver, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, But this is such a curious inclusion to have this on this album. And it is so oddly produced, but it's not as though they were burying it as filler. It's the third cut on the album. Yeah. And this is a very odd, odd cover of Gary Wright's My Love is Alive. (laughs) Man, there's all kinds of weirdness going on, too. Uh, yeah. But the hook is still there. It is kind of, yep. kind of, yeah.
0: But definitely different, uh, different feel. Mm. Well, should we head back to uh, home base? Oh my gosh, yes. Do we go? Do we take the route through the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, geez, will that put us back where we started? Let's find out. All right, all right, Bay Area, ahoy, hallo.